Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I think the number one thing that prevented me from going freelance sooner was not necessarily the freelance earning potential. I had a feeling that I could earn back my salary over time as a freelancer, but it was more that inconsistency and not being able to predict exactly when and how much I would get paid right away. I grew up watching my mom go to work every day and get paid the same amount roughly every single month or two weeks or however often she got paid. And when I entered the corporate workforce and even the retail workforce when I was in high school and college, same thing happened. I kind of knew about how many hours I was getting or about what my salary was when I went into corporate. And so therefore I could base all of my personal expenses around that paycheck. Well, freelance is not like that. Some months you might be getting paid $5,000. Other months you might be getting paid 500 and other months you might be getting paid double or triple your best month. It is really hard to track and predict. So let's talk about a few of the strategies that I use to help make my freelance income more predictable. The first thing that I want you to think about is your cost of doing business. This is a number that we don't talk about very much, but it is important to know as a baseline what your operating expenses are or your cost of doing business refers to is the amount of money you need to have in the bank every single month in order to keep your virtual doors or your physical doors if you own a brick and mortar open. So this could refer to website hosting fees. You kind of need those. Those are like your virtual place of business, right? Uh, any staffing fees or salaries that you pay out to team members, freelancers, contractors that are essential to your business. This could be any, um, you know, if you go to a co-working space or you have parking that's associated with that co-working space or, you know, anything that you need to pay for every single month in your business. You should know what that number is off the top of your head because you should be aiming at minimum to be making that amount every single month. And if you find that it's consistently hard for you to make that amount every single month, then you should probably lower that cost of doing business if you can. So let me give you an example of my cost of doing business is $1,000. And consistently, so for you know two, three months, I am only making $500 that month. Well, maybe I need to cut one of my freelancers or maybe I need to downgrade my website hosting plan. Maybe I don't need the you know business plan and I can just get by with a personal plan. Or maybe I need to not be going to a co-working space and paying $500 a month to work there. These are the things that are gonna get you in the hole and that are going to prevent you from saving money, paying yourself what you deserve, you know, scaling, et cetera. So know your operating expenses at minimum. The second thing that I recommend that you do is put yourself on a salary or a regular pay schedule. I actually get a paycheck from my business now, which feels really weird. I make a joke all the time that is such a dad joke, mom joke, auntie joke, whatever I am. I'm always like, oh, my crappy boss forgot to run payroll last month, so my paycheck's a week late. I do that a lot. Uh, luckily, I'm the only person who's on payroll. 
So I'm the only one affected. But yes, I pay myself an actual paycheck now. You may or may not be able to or want to do that. Talk to an accountant who can figure out if you need to go that far. But even before I paid myself an actual, you know, physical paycheck, I was giving myself payouts from my business account on a regular basis. And my recommendation is to just do this consistently. Please do it, first of all, because if you go too long without getting paid, it's only natural that you're gonna start to feel resentful of your business. You're gonna start to wonder why you're doing it. It's just not going to be a fun time for anyone. So please do pay yourself some amount of money, that's my recommendation, but also try to keep it consistent. Before I was paying myself those regular payouts and then now a salary, I was like just paying myself based on what the business was making. So maybe the business made $10,000 that month, so I'd give myself 30% of that or you know whatever number I worked out in my head. I don't remember exactly what the percentages were. But then the next month, if we only made $1,000, so then that meant I only made $300. It's really hard to budget for your life based on those wildly shifting numbers. So instead say, Hey, I'm going to pay myself a thousand dollars, just an example number, but let's say I'm going to pay myself a thousand dollars every month, no matter what, assuming you have the money in the bank, of course. Well, now you know that your goal needs to be to save $12,000. So you have enough to pay yourself for the year. And then anything else that gets left over can be saved in the business, or maybe you can pay out yourself at the end of the year as a bonus, but you're not going to be like living large one month, buying expensive bags and going out to eat and taking trips. And then the next month you're living like you're in college. So pay yourself consistently, pay yourself a consistent salary and know when it's not working. If you're not able to save that amount, if you're not able to pay yourself that consistent amount, then maybe it's time to change those operating expenses or change your offer or, or something, come up with a new strategy. From a savings perspective, by the way, for operating expenses, salaries, I have been told to save six months in the bank of all those expenses. So if it costs you $2,000 a month to run your business, then you should be saving 12,000. And then I also recommend saving those salary amounts, including your own. So cost you 2,000 to run the business, you're gonna pay yourself 1,000, then save, what is that? Three times six is 18,000. I personally feel better having more, so I actually aim for closer to a year. But you know, do whatever is realistic for you. Saving something is better than nothing. My next tip is to get retainer clients. So let me explain what a retainer client is first. There are a few different types of pricing. You can bill hourly, you you can bill by project or by package. You can bill monthly and you can bill a retainer. So a retainer is basically like a monthly fee that you charge for your services. But the difference from a project where maybe I'm a website designer and I'm going to build a website and it costs $5,000 to build that website, right? If I were to sell a retainer, it's not so focused on the specific deliverable necessarily, meaning you don't have to actually turn over a website every single month. A lot of times for, well, let's continue with the web designer example. A lot of web designers I know, they offer a maintenance package as a retainer package. So after they build a website for a client, they'll be basically on call or available to that client if the client needs quick updates, you know, under a, a certain level of complexity. Maybe they need blogs uploaded. They need like a quick piece of code added to their website, like Google Analytics or something. 
Um, maybe the web person is available for a meeting or two a month to talk about website strategy and performance. Like that would be that add-on or that upsell after you provide that deliverable. As a content creator, video creator, social media manager, I've been on retainer as well. A lot of times larger companies will have an agency that they choose to work with on retainer that's just available if a project comes up. When I worked in corporate, we had an agency that we had on retainer. Some months we didn't even use their help at all. Other months they helped us with a lot of campaigns just depending on what was going on with our team. Maybe some people were out. Maybe it was just a level of complexity that we needed help with, things like that. So the cool thing about retainers is that in most cases, it's sort of use it or lose it. So if I say, hey, pay me $5,000 a month and I will be available for you if you need website help or social media help. Well, they are on a recurring invoice, so they pay you that every single month. And if they only use your help for five hours, it's still $5,000. If they use you for 30 hours, it's still $5,000. This can be a huge benefit to freelancers because it's basically a contract saying you are going to get paid $5,000 a month or whatever amount that it's gonna be uh, every month. So you can budget for that. You can plan for that. You can plan other projects around that. You can plan your personal expenses, your lifestyle around that. It's basically the closest you're gonna get to a salary. Now the downside to retainer pricing is exactly what I just said. Some months you might be working five hours a month and others you might be working 50 or whatever. So do still set limits to those packages. Maybe it's a retainer up to a certain amount of hours. Hey, it's $2,000 for up to 20 hours a month. Or here is a list of the specific deliverables I can help with. I'm not gonna be building 10 websites for you in one month. I can only work on one higher level, more complex project like that and so on and so forth. So you can still set boundaries in retainers. And you might be wondering, well, how do I get retainer projects? This sounds amazing. In my experience, I have always started project-based. Maybe I built out a social media strategy for a client or I worked with a client on a monthly package, you know, for three or six months. And then I realized, hey, you tend to be asking for the same things every single month. How about we make this easier for both of us so you can budget in your business, I can budget in my business and budget my time and really make you a priority. Here's the thing, you have to sell it to the client. So you have to explain what the benefit is to them. So, hey, I can make you a priority in my business if we're able to set up, you know, a regular monthly retainer. It'll make things easier for both of us. So that's how I've always done it. I've always sort of upsold my existing clients that I have a relationship with. And I honestly recommend this anyway, because you don't want to just sign on for a retainer and again, be at somebody's beck and call for lack of better words, that you find out you don't really work well with or they constantly abuse and take advantage of your time and your resources. So if you have any clients that you really like working with that they tend to be asking for the same things every month, see if they can um, work with you on a retainer so that you can start to predict that income a little bit better. If you're not in that position, if you're kind of in the beginning stages, you don't have any clients that you are comfortable asking that of, at the very least, be sure to require deposits or pay upfront for your services. This can enable you to keep that cash flow going so that you are fueling, you know, those operating expenses because sometimes, you know, there's just that lag of time where it's like, "Hey, I just wrapped up a, a client project and then you know, it took me a month to find a new client and then I had to onboard them, had to do the work, and then I'm not going to get paid to like that third month. Well, that's like three months without income. 
So by getting a deposit or an upfront payment, at least you're keeping those consistent cash flow injections over time as opposed to having to wait forever for them. Something else you can do is build an additional revenue stream. So I don't recommend anyone put all of their eggs in one basket in the world of freelancing. And I know this can be kind of stressful because it's like, oh my gosh, how many things do I have to do? But life is just weird. Business is weird and hard and confusing. Things change. Now you do want to be clear. You don't want to like offer a billion different services that are completely random and different. But if there's a way that you can create maybe a semi-passive version of the service that you offer, like a course, like an ebook, like a workshop, anything like that, I think that's a good way to kind of just give you a little bit of job security, if you will, or diversification at the very least. I've told the story before, but where my online courses really took off was in 2020 when things were very uncertain. Nobody knew what was going on with the economy. Nobody knew you know, what was going to happen, including myself. I had a client that kind of decreased the work that they were ordering from me and we weren't on a monthly retainer. And so I just thought to myself, let me create some new revenue streams here. Let me open myself up to some new opportunities, some new possibilities. Let me see if there's anybody in my existing network who wants what I'm selling um, just to kind of give myself, like I said, that job security. So think about that for yourself as well. Maybe there is something that you can be working on now that might come in handy down the road. It might not necessarily take off today, but maybe in two months, six months, two years, you might be like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that I created that course, wrote that book, created that speaking reel or whatever it is that you are thinking about doing. My last tip is to always be prospecting. This is one of the probably biggest reasons why I see freelancers, clients, people I know in my network struggle with cash flow is because they're doing well, they're doing great, you know, they're coasting along. They're like, oh yeah, I got these two clients, let's say, and they pay all my bills and then some, like I'm super happy with my income. I'm just gonna relax. And they coast and they coast and they coast and then oop, the economy might tank and then one of my clients dropped me and then Oop, now I heard about the economy tanking. So now the other client's gonna drop you a month later. And all of a sudden you have no backup plan. You haven't been talking to people, you know, so you don't have anything in the hopper. You have no connections because you're you're out of the loop with networking. And now you're like literally starting from scratch. So always be prospecting, always be networking. And I know this can be hard when you are busy because you're like, first of all, what if they say yes and they wanna work with me and I don't have the capacity for them? So in that case, set up a wait list on your website. That's what I do for my courses. I don't teach my courses all the time, but if you go and look at the Social Media Management Accelerator right now, it has a wait list. So you can put your email address in if you wanna know when the next class opens up. So that way, whenever I go to open that up, I already know that I have a set of warm leads who, you know, are more likely to purchase than if I just go scream into a crowded room of people, right? Same thing for your services. If you're always out there, whether that is posting content, going to local co-working spaces and doing talks, speaking at events, um, just attending events, 
passing out your business card, whatever that might be. And they go to your website and they say, hey, I'm booked up until Q2 2023. They might pop their email address and say, you know what? At that time, we might be having an ad campaign that I need help with. Or they might just stay connected with you and say, hey, I know you're not taking clients right now, but I really enjoyed the talk you gave or I really enjoyed talking to you at this event. Let's connect on LinkedIn. So again, now you have these people in your circle. So when that does happen, if and when, hopefully it doesn't, but if your clients do drop you, you can just go on LinkedIn and say, hi, I have a rare opportunity for new clients. Does anyone want to work with me? And you have all these people who are now warm leads who like you already, who got to know you already and are already kind of sold on you uh, that are available. So set aside time. And like I said, I know it can be really hard when you are busy to prioritize it, but just like set aside an hour a week, even if it is, maybe you have an event that you go to. I have really liked networking groups over the years. I've talked about like uh, the Rising Tide Society. I've talked about creative mornings. Those are ones that I used to go to. I don't really go to so much anymore. I do things that are a little bit smaller, like join the Freelance Friday Club and join other networking groups like that with other entrepreneurs and things. Um, but set aside, yeah, an hour a week for stuff like that. Or maybe it is an hour a week that you are going to maybe create content for LinkedIn or browse LinkedIn and just kind of chit chat with people. Maybe it's um, a quarterly conference that you choose to attend, a bigger event or conference that you want to attend. But set aside some time so that you don't like completely let it go to the wayside. I think another thing that's really helpful is creating content. This can be like an hour a week. If you just want to say, I'm going to spend an hour a week writing Twitter threads or posting Instagram, scheduling Instagrams, creating a YouTube video. That can be a really good thing to do because the thing about content and inbound marketing is it tends to work a lot slower than outbound marketing. I think it's way more valuable if I'm being honest, but it takes longer to work. So if you start a YouTube channel today, you're probably not going to start to see leads come in from it for, you know, I don't know, a few months at least. So that might actually be perfect timing for you if that's when you need a new client. You see what I mean? So always be prospecting. Prospecting can look different. Of course, when you are in desperate need of a new client, that's probably going to be cold emails. That's probably going to be walk-ins to businesses. That's probably going to be applying for things on Upwork. But when you're booked and busy, that might just be doing a speaking gig, posting on LinkedIn, posting a YouTube video, hosting a webinar. You know, there are so many different like ways to prospect, but it is important that you do prospects. So that's it. Let me know in the comments if you're watching on YouTube, if you have any other tips or hacks that have helped you make your freelance income feel more predictable and more, you know, just easy to deal with, I suppose. And if you don't mind subscribing to the YouTube channel, if you're watching, I know a lot of you tune into the podcast every single week and aren't subscribed. So please just go ahead and click that subscribe button. And if you are on the podcasting platforms, you can also follow and subscribe on most of those platforms. And you can also leave a rating and review. I'd greatly appreciate it. That's it for today's episode. I hope you have a wonderful weekend and I will talk to you in the next one. Bye.